Good morning. This is uh, Chris O'Gwen, pastor at First Baptist Church of China Grove, coming to you this morning uh, via broadcast and the service. And just want to share with you, first of all, by announcement and consideration of the health and safety of our membership, as well as the new guidelines yesterday issued by governor, the governor of North Carolina. Uh, and we have decided to cancel services today and possibly uh, next Sunday, but we will update you on that. We're not sure yet uh, about that. And so we plan to uh, broadcast to you by this means regardless and want you to be aware of all that's going on. You should have received a list of protocols from us as well as a message telling you that we will not be having service today. Well, you know, in the present situation, a lot of people are dealing with fears and concerns and worry. And, you know, God did not intend for our life to be that way. And so I, I want to just uh, give a message today on how to deal with a scary lion. And I take that from the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8. Our enemy, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if you study this in retrospect to lions, you find out that sometimes the older lions who cannot chase prey and maybe lose a lot of their teeth, their job is to just go around and roar and to scare the prey in toward the younger lions who then have the speed and can take the prey down. So it's characterizing our enemy here as a toothless slow lion. And that's true because Satan has to a great degree, his power has been limited. When Jesus was crucified, he said, now is the prince of this world cast down. Now is he judged. So his power is now limited by the power of God and by the power of Jesus Christ. So we have to remember that the greatest power in the world today, although he is God of this world, Satan, is not Satan, but Jesus. And we need to not fear, but rely on him and not be concerned about the roaring lion because the roaring lion really has no power. Think about it. And that's the illustration there. And so when we see, when we turn on the TV, CNN and see coronavirus network, news network, we shouldn't, we shouldn't fear, uh, but just let it go. And it's scaring us, and, and scaring us to run toward things that cause us t torment. I want to start by saying our salvation is solid. I want you to look at this in Hebrews with me. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. We have a solid salvation. Our salvation in Christ is solid. We are built on the rock of Jesus. And we know in our heart, in our mind, that Jesus Christ has our life in his hands. He says in John that we cannot be taken out of his hand. That not any, not even the devil can wrest us from the hand of God. We're secure in his hand. And I want us to realize that. And this is the deliverance we have from the cross and from our salvation in Christ, those who have received him. It says in verse 
14 and 15, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same. He became flesh. That through death he might destroy him that has the power of death. That is who? The devil. The devil is a destroyed enemy. He just doesn't realize it yet. And deliver them, look at this, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, fear brings bondage. And when we live in fear, we're in bondage, we're in slavery. But Jesus has delivered us from the fear of death. He has destroyed the power of the devil. And so we are very, very thankful today for the solid salvation we have. And so first of all, as we think about this this battle we're in with this roaring lion and not to be afraid of him, we have to understand that we're on solid ground. His power has been destroyed. We've been delivered. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything in the world. There's nothing here for us to fear. Amen? Thank you. And number two, now knowing our enemy has been destroyed, but we don't need to give the enemy a toehold in our life, a foothold. And that's exactly what Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. Well, since we know the devil is a destroyed enemy, that he's really powerless against the power of Jesus, If we're living in that power and that strength and walking with him, then there's nothing the devil can do unless we consciously make that choice to walk out of the light with Jesus into sin or whatever, and then we give place to the devil. And I've always said this to church members, be careful when you come to church that the devil isn't riding on your shoulder. Because if you come with a bad attitude or hatred or anger in your heart or something wrong, there's something wrong with you inside, then you run the risk of bringing the devil into the church. That's how he gets into the church. Most people don't know that. They think the devil sneaks in like a spirit, but a lot of times he rides in on the shoulders of church members. Uh, That's the most notable way that Satan gets to the church. But we, as believers, should not give place to the devil. And when we, listen, when we succumb to fear and things like that, that's what we're doing. We're giving Satan a place in our lives. We're giving him a a position at the table that he doesn't deserve. And we should not do that. I'm going to live my life in the light of Jesus Christ. I'm going to live my life walking with him and come what may. And we're going to talk extensively about that. But he has no place here. We cannot operate in fear. We operate in faith. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, who do you love? You know, and and I say that 1 John chapter 4.18 says simply this, and I'm going to simplify it one, that it says perfect love casteth out fear. Well, it means complete or perfect, complete or mature love casts out fear. If we love God like we should, and and that casting out 
has the connotation and the etymology of the word to kick somebody out of your, like kicking somebody out of your house, running them out of your house. So uh, today I want you to liken this. When we live in faith and not fear, we're just kicking Satan right out the door. And that's what we're doing. And if we love God like we should, and he's our Lord, and we acknowledge that, and we're doing, and, and you know, then if we get sick, what's, and I always say, what's the worst going to happen? Okay, we're going to go home to be with Jesus. Okay, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, is it? So, you know, we don't have to worry. Uh, but who do we love? We need, we need to love God, love him supremely. Uh, and there's only one person in the universe that the Bible tells us to fear, and that's God. And that means not to fear like we might fear what Satan, because we fear Satan maybe do something bad to us, but God is always going to do good to us. So the fear of him is to reverence him and acknowledge his power and who he is and in, in awe of him, a different kind of fear there. Fear God and keep his commandments. So a lot of times it tells us to fear the Lord, but that's a different kind of fear. Now, Jesus was confronted with the situation with the devil and the Gospels. And he was confronted, and how did he deal with Satan? Well, three times he was tempted, tested, and three times he passed. And each time he used the Word of God. Well, the other thing that's going to bring solidity to us is to rest upon the promises of the Word of God, to rest upon His Word, for His Word is truth, enduring to all generations. And the Bible says, not one jot or tittle shall depart from it till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word will not pass away. So we can use the power of the Word, coupled with faith and prayer, and that's a mighty awesome weapon, is it not? Certainly it is. And Jesus used the word to chase the devil away. And he said, at the end, what does he say? He's, he just chased him away. Depart. Go. And you know what? The devil had to go. He couldn't stay. <laughs> Depart from me. Get away. Get out of here. And he did. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, Christians in churches could really chase the devil out the door. And, and, and once you get him out the door, you get things done. And you have some good unity and some good fellowship. So we need to concentrate on that. Now, how do we overcome fear? Well, I just mentioned one a few moments ago, relationally. If we complete mature love, casts out fear. And then I've already mentioned another one. The second one is reliance on the Word of God. It's not, it's not, it's fact, the fact of the Word. The Word of God is fact, not fiction. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. The Scriptures declare that in Timothy. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love. Love, power, and sound mind. And it's the reality of faith also that helps us overcome. And I always say one of the saddest verses in the Bible is Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith on the earth? And I look around today and I see a lot of Christians even panicking. I had some uh, Christian friends that 
uh, called me when all this thing started with the coronavirus, and they were just in a panic mode. And I, and I just stopped them. I said, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's still God. God's still there. He didn't go away. Uh, and I said, You're at, you, uh, Christians, can, can, we sometimes mimic atheists in a crisis. We act like God doesn't exist anymore. Hey, God's still in control. Amen? Amen. Okay, thank you. And I'm going to come here, it's going to be probably a short sermon today, but I'm going to come to my last point here. It's going to be one of my longer points, but my last point, and that is our God. Uh, in, in fighting that, uh, that situation of, of that lion that, that might scare you, and Satan certainly could, can come to us in a scary situation and mode, our God is a great overcomer. Uh, I think the Tallies wrote a, a, a beautiful song, My God is a Mountain Mover. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that one. It's one of my favorite songs. Boy, it just, it'll get your blood flowing if you ever hear it. But I remember in the movie, The Ten Commandments, and one of my favorite parts, and maybe you'll go back with me, uh, and I would ask how many have seen that movie, but there's not very many of you here this morning. Uh, so, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and, and uh, Yul Brenner. And Yul Brenner plays, of course, the part of uh, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, as Pharaoh, he chases the children. When the children of Israel are set free, he chases them with his chariots all the way to the Red Sea. And the children of Israel have crossed through the midst of the Red Sea. And here the Red Sea is open, and they're walking across on the ground. And they come to Pharaoh and says, what do we do? And he said, to follow after them. Well, you know what happened? Once the children of Israel got on the other side, and once the chariots got down there in the water, what happened? God closed the water. So Pharaoh saw not only the miracles, but he saw his entire army. And God said to them, you shall see their chariots no more. And Egypt never did, again, come against Israel until the 1967 war in which Egypt got routed. And there's a lot of mystical things about that where they claim the Egyptian soldiers, tank drivers saw spirits and got out of their tanks and ran and all kinds of stories like that. But, but God said, you shall see the, their chariots no more. So even in the war of 1967, the Egyptians drove their tanks into Suez toward Israel and got out and abandoned their tanks. Think about that. But he goes back, Pharaoh goes back to the, his place, and there's his God standing there that he prayed to before this situation. He was going to have victory. And he looks up at his false God that he, they've made, and he makes this statement, and it's not in Scripture, but I really like it because it makes a point, and it's the point of it I want to make. He said, his God is God. And I want to say to all of you today, your God is God. And therefore, because of that, you don't have to worry about chariots or pestilence as I quoted the verse earlier this week, Psalm 91, I will not fear for the pestilence 
that walks in darkness. I won't fear. I will not fear, David said, for the pestilence that walks in darkness. We're not going to fear. Whom will we trust? Listen, when I go out and I see the moon hanging in the sky, I say, I'll trust he who put the moon in the sky. When I go out and see the sun up in the sky, I, I say, I'm going to trust the one who put the sun in the sky. Him will I trust. God will I trust. He is omnipotent, all-powerful, and nothing can stand in his way. Nothing can stand in his way. I want to read a couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 15 and 16. And this will tell you something about the sovereignty, the greatness, and the power of God. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. Counted as the small dust, not the thick dust, but the small dust on the balance. He taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Verse 17, all nations before him are as nothing. And they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? There is none. There is no comparison. There is no likeness that can fully bring forth God. We could not build anything that would say, okay, this resembles God. He's too great. You couldn't, you couldn't exemplify that. God. It says in Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Well, as we go through this time of crisis, I would urge Christians everywhere. I did on Facebook last week urge Christians to pray, pray, to seek God, to pray restraint of this illness. And I think that's the greatest thing we need to do. And we need to see God work in the power of prayer in this thing. And God has a purpose in all of this. And God will have victory in it. I don't know what that is, and I may not understand it, but there will be the victory of God in it. Job, who you know his situation, he was beset with sores, his friends and wife turned against him, and you know all the people he loved turned against him. He had great loss, and he was laying there sickly, and he made this statement in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet... Will I trust him? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him? Good question. Or good comment. He said, even if God takes my life, it doesn't matter. God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was Job's attitude. And he said, even if you take me home, Lord, it's okay. I'll still trust you. So, how do we deal with that roaring lion? Well, let him know, first of all, let the lion know, I'm not afraid. Amen? Amen? Satan, I don't fear you. Because 
My God is God. You're just the God of this world. You're just a little petty thing that he could knock over like a piece on a chessboard. You're nothing. So I'm not going to give you place because you don't, you don't deserve it. I don't want you here. Let him know you're not afraid. Stand your ground. And many times it says, you know, stand like a man or stand. And, it's to, and really the word stand came from where the Greek soldiers would put their shields together in unity. It really speaks to the church. Church, stand together. Put your shields together and it would stop the enemy. Stand. Stand your ground against him. Look to God in faith. As Daniel, remember the story of Daniel, he stood before hungry lions. And yet God and and the king came the next morning and said, Daniel, is your God whom you serve able to deliver you? And he said, my God has sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Yes, his God, I'm preaching it. Yes, his God is able to do that. Our God is able to shut the mouths of the hungry lions. Our God is able to defeat Satan. Our God is able to do all of these things. They are. And we can rest in his arms without fear of life or death or circumstances or disease or storm of life. Simply, today, to all of us, I say, trust our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is God. Our God is God. Will you pray with me today? Lord, we come to you at this final moment. We ask your blessing, Lord, on the preached word today. We thank you for the word of God. It is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. That he loved us and he died for our sins on the cross because our sins separate us from you. And Lord, if there's one listening who does not know you as Savior, help them to know that they can turn to you in faith today, believing that Christ died for them, and just acknowledge him, call on him as Lord and Savior, and eternally, Lord, you will save them. That you will take them away from that fear of death. They'll no longer ever have to fear death again. And Lord, help us to realize this time of sickness and this time of great consternation. What an opportunity we have because people are thinking about life and death right now. Can we share the gospel of salvation with people? We may never have as great an opportunity as we have now. Lord, to share the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ, that he loves us and died for us and rose again, that we might have life eternal. Lord, bless this day, bless this sermon, bless these words. In Jesus' name, amen.